0: Welcome into another edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, as we have two more weeks left of offseason mode, then back on February. So what? February? July. July 18th. That's what month it is. That is so bad. July 18th, we'll be back for our five days a week normal schedule. Oh boy. Make sure to subscribe to the show here on YouTube and watch us every single episode and make sure to subscribe over on all of the podcasting platforms where you check out this show and all your favorite shows across the Locked On Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Odyssey, all of those places you can find Locked On Panthers and all of the podcasts part of the Locked On Podcast Network and be sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council. We're typically on Fridays, not this week as I'm on vacation and we continue our position breakdowns, uh, make sure to follow on Twitter at Julian Council and you can participate for the weekly Friday mailbag by adding me at Julian Council or DMing me at Julian Council. Maybe the worst open I've ever had since doing the podcast here, but it happens and the show will go on again. We're back here doing our position breakdowns, talk about the quarterbacks, running backs and the wide receivers on Monday. Hopefully everyone had a happy 4th of July and now we're back to talk offensive line tight ends, and special teams. Let's get into the O-line. And I don't think I ever thought when I started doing this podcast that I'd talk about the Carolina Panthers offensive line as much as I do. Because typically that's not what people want to hear, but it is a daily podcast Tips usually. And there's only so many things to say about the Carolina Panthers and the O-line is an important position group. As we've seen over the last couple of years, as the Carolina Panthers have traditionally neglected it, but this offseason, Scott Bitter decided that, you know what? The O-line's terrible. I'm going to actually do something about it. Last season, the Carolina Panthers started 13 different offensive line combination in, in 17 games. I've said this time and time again. It does not matter if they would have had the best offensive line in football. If you have that many injuries and you're not able to have as much continuity as you would like, you're going to struggle. The main issue was, though, the Panthers did not have one of the best offensive lines in football. By the way, actually, they had the 31st ranked offensive line in football according to Pro Football Focus, which is terrible. They allowed 52 sacks in 2021, and then they gave up eight, and then sacks given up, they gave up 8% of them or, eight, okay, when it comes to the sacks given up stat, they give up sacks in 8% of their dropbacks. A lot of reading, and sometimes I struggle to do it. For Sam Darnold, he was sacked in 7.9% of his dropbacks. Cam Newton, 7.4%. And PJ Walker, a whopping 9.6% of his dropbacks where he was sacked. The Panthers were terrible on the offensive line. Cam Irving, starting at left tackle, had a 56 grade, one of 0.0 grade grade um, pro football focus. Michael Jordan, who played a lot at left guard, had a 50.8 grade. Matt Paradis, who started out the season at center before tearing his ACL, had a 66.9 grade, which is okay, respectable. John Miller at right guard, 52.1. Taylor Moten coming back again at right tackle, 77.8. All they had was a good tackle. Everything else was a disaster. Well, now looking at it, the Carolina Panthers heading to the 2022 season with projected offensive line looking like this going left to right at left tackle. The sixth overall pick out of NC State, proud and State alum Ikki Aquanu, left guard Brady Christensen, center Bradley Bozeman, right guard Austin Corbett, and right tackle Pat, Taylor Moten, meaning that now Pat Elfline, who will compete with Brady with uh, Bradley Bozeman, excuse me, for the center position and could fill in at left guard if need be, is now a backup. Cam Irving is now a backup. Michael Jordan is is now a backup. Dennis Daly remains a backup if he even makes the team. And then your two six-round picks after the last two years, back in 2021 out of Alabama, Deontay Brown, and his past year out of Tennessee, Cade Mays, those guys are death pieces. The Panthers went from having one of the worst offensive lines in football to having an offensive line that projects to be one of the better ones in the NFL this year. I'm not going to say they're going to be top 10 offensive line, but they project to be miles better than what they were In 2021, thank the football gods and whatever gods you want to thank that that is likely going to be the case. They now have depth. So say Aquana goes down, you can put Brady Christensen at left tackle and then slot in Pat Elfline at left guard. Or you could have Cam Irving be the left tackle. If Bradley Bozeman gets injured, you can put Pat Elfline there at center. If Corbett gets injured, you can throw Deontay Brown or Cade Mays there at right guard. Those are all options that they now have. Moten goes down, put Christensen on the right side, keep Icky at left tackle, put in someone there at left guard. That's what you want to have. Last year, they didn't have those options. So when they had all those injuries, they were S-O-L. Now going to the season, Pro Football Focus ranks Carolina Panthers offensive line 24th. International Football League puts them there in tier four where they say they have at least one good tackle, which really was where they were last year. But actually, they were um, just be broken beyond repair. I don't know what the tier they were in. It's like tier six. And it was something that is not very flattering to hear. And the reasoning was it's a conservative estimate. For uh, what was one of the worst offensive lines in the National Football League last summer, but it's one that is now bursting with potential after multiple offseason moves. Terry Moten has played more than a thousand snaps and earned a 76.0 plus PFF grade in four. Count them four straight seasons. That's Carolina's building block, and the team added a couple of free agents on the interior to raise the unit's floor. Of course, Austin Corbett coming over from the Rams where we won a Super Bowl a couple months ago, and Bradley Bozeman coming over from the Ravens where he's played both guard and center the last couple years as a primary starter. They go on to say the offensive line's ultimate performance will obviously depend a lot on how quickly rookie Aquanu can adjust the pass protecting at the NFL level after he earned only a 78.3 pass blocking grade last season at NC State. And that goes back to what Matt Rule was talking about Closing out mandatory minicamp, saying that Brady Christensen could be there at left tackle when they go into camp. Really, not knowing who would be starting at left tackle, and positions weren't up for grabs just yet. And Ben McAdoo had echoed that same sentiment the week prior when he spoke to the media during OCA's that they're not competing for jobs; you're just trying to learn the offense. And Aquano was just trying to come in here, get in shape. He might have to cut some weight, learn the offense, and adapt to the NFL level. And hopefully he can do that as soon as possible because Miles Garrett from Cleveland is sitting there week one. In the event that he's not ready, you can have Brady Christians there and there at left tackle, or you can slide and then you can slide Icky in there at left guard if you want, or put Pat Elfline. But the Panthers have options on the offensive line, which they didn't have last year, which makes me borderline giddy about what this unit could do. Is in the past. They might stink when it comes to pass protecting, but at least they were good when it came to run blocking. Last year, that really wasn't the case. Paradis, Elfline, Miller, those three in the interior, they struggled starting in the preseason when you saw the starters against the Steelers. They're in a dress rehearsal where Sam Darnold lit it up against the Steelers twos. The offense line couldn't even protect against those guys. So we knew early on, it's the Ravens and the Steelers, that they were going to struggle on the offensive line. And now the interior, they fixed it. Corbett last season with the Rams had a 68.8 PFF grade, played a 1,081 offensive snaps, only had two penalties, gave up three sacks. By comparison, John Miller, who played in that role for the Panthers last year, was injured, missed some time, less snaps, but still had a 52.1 grade, like I mentioned before. He played 656 offensive snaps. Three penalties, seven sacks allowed. And about half the time of that Austin Corbett played last season. Terrible. Bradley Bozeman, last year at center for the Ravens, had a 73.3 PFF grade. Played 1,125 offensive snaps. One penalty, three sacks allowed. Matt Paradis, Pat Offline, I don't have PFF. Premium, so I don't know, I don't have everything broken down for Elfline when he played center last season, but Paradis, when he was starting there, again, 66.9 PFF grade and 568 offensive snaps, one penalty, two sacks allowed, played nine games. Still not as good as Bradley Bozeman. Then Elfline, 534 snaps, played last season, had a 50.1 grade, two penalties, no sacks allowed, which is hard to believe that he didn't give up a single sack last season. And then you go with Ikiakuanu. Now at left tackle, 78.3 pass blocking grade. Last year at NC State playing in the ACC, Cam Irving, 56.0 PFF grade in 589 offensive snaps played. Four penalties, three sacks allowed. Major upgrade for the Carolina Panthers on the offense line, and I applaud Scott Fitterer for recognizing, which was very obvious to him and everyone out there, that this was one of the worst units, if not the worst unit, in National Football League. And they couldn't be like Cincinnati. When Cincinnati's gone out there and they've gotten a lot of great players on the offensive line after they saw the beating that Joe Burrow took his first two seasons. He overcome it by getting to the Super Bowl. Panthers have a quarterback who can do that right now. So they had to get better on offensive line, especially if they want to run downhill. If as long until the quarterback situation gets figured out. So round of applause to Scott Fitter because the Panthers' offensive line is going to go from a massive weakness to a major strength in one off season. Now, another weakness that we've had here in Carolina the last couple of years has been the tight end position. Do we even have tight ends? Do we even need tight ends? Will Ben McAdoo do something with the tight ends? We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. Ooh. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the puffs treatment. That's right, the Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor you love and deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness, but stop drooling and listen. They are good for you too. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and all delicious coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time. Go to built.com now to make sure you don't miss out. They are going fast because they taste so amazing. All built bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. And the best part about built bar puffs is of course, they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt-free because they're actually good for you. They are the perfect treat, perfect when when you got a craving and you need to satisfy your sweet tooth or if you need a quick, healthy snack, they are an excellent source of protein. Delicious coconut, Rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallows. Stop fantasizing get to Built.com to order your box of coconut brownie chunk built pups right now. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 at Built.com. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, So Scott Fitter went out and did a ton to figure out the offensive line this past offseason, made it a priority. Less so when it comes to the tight end group heading here into 2022. Looking at the depth chart right now, got Ian Thomas coming back for his fifth season. We've had multiple conversations here on the show of when will Ian Thomas break out, and we'll have another one here very shortly. Tommy Trimble, who's a third-round draft pick last year out of Notre Dame. He's back. A lot of upside for Tommy Trimble. Colin Thompson, who... Played for Matt Rule back in college. He's back again. Steven Sullivan, who is here for a second year at LSU. And they have two UDFA rookies and Josh Babitz and Jared Scott. Two guys I don't really expect that will be around very long. The Panthers tight in position has had guys like Greg Olson, Wesley Walls, both in. Well, Walls is in the Hall of Honor here in Carolina. Olson will be in the Hall of Honor one day, maybe could be a Hall of Fame candidate. We'll see. They've had um, well, those guys. And then they've also had Chris Mangum. You could even talk about names blanking in my head right now. Like, okay, so there's, yeah, we okay, Walls, Olsen, Mangum. Like they've had decent tight ends, to really good tight ends here in Carolina. And over the last couple of seasons, it's like the tight end group doesn't even exist. As now my brain's starting to work. They don't have a single tight end, they being the Carolina Panthers, that are ranked in top 15. It's just not really a surprise at all. There's no Travis Kelsey here. There is no George Kittle. There's not even a single player on this roster that I think any other roster would really want right now. Now, Tommy Trimble will give him the benefit of the doubt, but still, no top-tier tight end on this roster after having almost a decade of Greg Olson. Now, the Panthers also, when you look at just their usage of tight ends, Going back to the whole non-existent thing, they ranked dead last in the league in total targets to tight ends. When you look at the target share for the Panthers last season, 2021, tight ends received 13% of that. Panthers tight ends are ranked 31st back um in total targets back in 2020 as well. So since Matt Rule got here with Joe Brady, the tight ends have not mattered in this offense. Now the hope is with Ben McAdoo that the tight ends will matter in this offense, considering he's used the tight ends before, back when he was an offensive coordinator and the head coach for the New York Giants. Now who's capable of doing that on this roster though? Ian Thomas back in 2020 pro football focus wrote an article saying that Ian Thomas was a prime candidate to break out, primarily because he was finally out of the shadow of Greg Olson. If you go back to the two previous years in 18 and 19, he had his opportunities as well. Back in 2018, before Matt Rule got here, in his rookie year, he had 36 receptions for 333 yards and two touchdowns. A lot of promise, and that's a guy who only played two years of college football after being a basketball player. So it takes time for tight ends, especially in the NFL, to come into their own and to really be key parts of your offense. Then in 2020 and in 2019, uh, 2019, his uh, production went down. 16 receptions. 136 yards, only one touchdown. But that was way better than what he's been doing the last couple of years. Because once they got, once Matt Rule got here, Ian Thomas, 20 receptions in 2020 for 148 yards, one touchdown. Last season, 18 receptions on 27 targets, 188 yards, goose egg. And a 52.1 overall grade, according to Pro Football Focus. Thomas showed a ton of promises rookie year, kind of came back a little bit. His second year, sophomore slump, but none. Of, he has not risen since then. So, how can you expect, if you're a Panthers fan, for the tight end position to improve when he was brought back on a three-year contract worth $16.95 million of $8 million guaranteed and the deal includes $11.5 million over the first two years. So, he's here for the next two seasons. And if that's for him to be a primarily a blocking tight end, I'm kind of confused. Because you can't find any more of those elsewhere. Because they did just draft someone last season in Tommy Trimble. If not, Ian Thomas stepping up when it comes to being a part of the passing game here in Carolina. Can it be Tommy Trimble last year, 55.2 overall grade as a tight end? Whatever, not a big deal. Had 32 targets, which is five more than Ian Thomas. 20 receptions, which is two more than Ian Thomas. 180 receiving yards one receiving touchdown, then he had that rushing touchdown on Thursday night football at Houston when Panther fans were excited about him. Because right after that, a lot of folks were saying that, okay, the Panthers felt comfortable trading away Dan Arnold to Jacksonville to bring C.J. Henderson here in a reactionary move once J.C. Horn went down, but they felt that the Panthers were comfortable doing that because of the promise of Tommy Trimble. Okay. Sam Darnold maybe could have used Dan Arnold because the whole Darnold Arnold thing was something we talked about throughout the preseason as they seemed to be a real connection there, but the tight end targets weren't very high even in the first three weeks. And as we saw throughout the remaining of the season, the remainder of the season, rather it's kind of the same case. So now heading into 2022, how much a part of the offense will they be? Certainly they have to be way more part of the offense than they've been the last couple of years provide different looks and options going against defense. That just has not been the case so far. So heading in 2022, you look at Ben McAdoo, what he's done in the past. You think he can find a role to certainly get Tommy Trimble to elevate in that position as he was only thought of as more as a blocking guy coming out of Notre Dame but had the athleticism that potentially he could turn into one of those, even though that wasn't really what he did at Notre Dame. And Ian Thomas, we've yet to see it. Now here in year five, can he finally break out? Again, it takes tight ends time. So fingers crossed. Hope it works out. Now, one other unit that has not been very good over the last couple of years, which is funny because this podcast is now about units that were bad. Now at the offense line, looks like it's going to be good. Tight end, probably going to be more of the same. We'll see what they can do to improve. They can only go up. And in special teams, hasn't been great. But there is a special team savior here in Carolina. And we'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. I mentioned earlier how we have a lot of talk here on the podcast about the offensive line. I still think we have a lot of talk, too, about the special teams. And I guess if it wasn't this format where I do it every day, I don't think we'd have as long of conversations and as many of conversations that we have about the O-line and about special teams. But that's what we're trying to do here in Locked on Panthers, try to give you guys entertaining content, try to educate you and have this forum with you. Special teams, though. Been kind of a concern here in Carolina. And by kind of a concern, pretty big concern. Punters, Charlton, not great. Lock on Edwards, can't even kick field goals, also eh, just okay. Then the kicking game, as we know, has been pretty bad. Punt return doesn't exist. They do have the nation's best punt returner. His name is Christian McCaffrey. But I understand the NFL, you can't do that. And DJ Moore, situation that could be out there. But punt return hasn't been great. Kick return hasn't been great. But the one constant, though, has been long snapper. Looking at the depth chart right now, punter, Johnny Hecker here. He's been a four-time All-Pro. He was on the NFL All-Decade team for the 2010s. He's now here in Carolina. Got Zane Gonzalez, J.J. Jansen versus Thomas Fletcher, the key training camp battle. Will Matt Rule look like a fool if he already doesn't? For drafting Thomas Fletcher there in the sixth round back in 2021? Or will the longest-tenured Panther, J.J. Jansen, finally, finally leave? Even though, if I, as I told y'all, if I ever had a Panthers jersey, it would be the number 44 for J.J. Jansen. Who's going to return punts? Mm-hmm. TBD. But kick returner Andre Roberts, who's been an all-pro in the past. Now, the key move for the Carolina Panthers, outside of obviously bringing in Hecker, re-signing Zane Gonzalez, and adding Andre Roberts, is the staff edition of Chris Tabor, who takes over for Chase Blackburn as a special teams coordinator here in Carolina. Back in Chicago the last two seasons, he led the Bears to top 10 rankings in special teams EPA. EPA stands for expected points added, doing that in 2020 and 2021. The Panthers ranked 24th in special teams DVOA last season, according to Football Outsiders, ranked 16th in 2020. During that same time, the Chicago Bears were ranked 8th and 6th under Tabor during that time period. Now, to define special teams DVOA, when looking at football outs- outsiders, it's an estimate of how many points compared to league average each team received from the five elements of special teams. So, field goals extra points, kickoffs, kick returns, punts, and punt returns. So, looking at it, let's look at the field goal kicking situation. Going to last year, that was one of the big storylines heading to training camp. How every position, quarterback, not really, though. Wide receiver, running back, again, not really, but still. uh, Tight end, corner, safety, yada, yada, yada. You name it. Every position had a job open. Now, quarterback will throw that one. No, not really running back, same thing. We're running back based off a of merit, quarterback based off a of contract and stupidity. But still, the one position that glaringly was a question mark that did not have competition was the place kicker. That man, Joey Sly, came back without anyone there to push him. Panthers brought in a kicker like Matt Amendola, who ended up with the Jets during mini camp and OTAs gave him a tryout. Never signed him. And then they saw him week one against the Jets where he could both punt and kick. So maybe they messed up there. Eventually the Panthers do bring in Ryan Santoso, who takes up the job by hitting a 51 yard field goal that he barely even made. In the preseason, they cut Joey Sly. Sly then goes to Houston. Then he ends up in Washington where he has a new contract there with Ron Rivera. So congratulations to Joey Sly. Happy that he was able to overcome his field goal issues, But it was a massive issue. But it did not turn out to be an issue really at all last season for the Carolina Panthers. Now looking outside of Football Outsiders, their field goal rating compares each field goal to the league average percentage of field goals from that distance. The Panthers last season... Or 2.5 points above the, field, the league average, thanks to Zane Gonzalez, who came in and solidified the position after the Panthers signed him off of the Detroit Lions practice squad last season. Zane Gonzalez was perfect, six for six from the 20, from between 20 and 29 yards. He was perfect, one for one from between 30 and 39 yards. He was a perfect, ten for ten from 40 to 49 yards, and then he was three for five. From 50 plus yards. And one of those was blocked against the Dallas Cowboys. Overall, 20 out of 22 made field goals last season. And he was 22 for 23 when it came to extra points. Which has been a major major issue for the Carolina Panthers. When you look back to Graham Gano's misses. And of course, Joey Sly's costly misses. Both at extra point. Joey Sly had a big leg. He was sitting out there for comically long field goals back in 2020. But never really made any of them. And even the ones he needed to make, a lot of times, missed him. Gonzalez for his career though. He's an 80% field goal kicker back in Arizona though. It's been one of the things that about Zang Gonzalez has been, he's been up and down. So career 80% field goal kicker, but in 2020 in Arizona was only 72.7%. And after going 88.6% back in 2019, when he started out his career in Cleveland, 75% in 2017. Then when he split time in Cleveland and in Arizona, after getting cut by the Browns, 64.3% in 2018. So, 75% Seventy-five percent is rookie year, then to sixty-four point three percent, then the eighty-eight point six percent, then to seventy-two point seven percent, then the eighty, then to a hey, what eighty-eight percent last year. So it were ninety percent last year. It goes up and down. Can he show some consistency? Because the Panthers signed him to a two-year, four and a half billion dollar deal. They can get out of it after this upcoming season if he does not play well enough. But well, he stabilized that position. So hopefully, Zane Gonzalez can kick the trend or buck the trend, whatever, of him going from good to bad to good to bad to good. Let's just stay good and maybe go to great. That's my hope this upcoming season. Now, as far as punting stats go, the Panthers' punting game hasn't been great the last couple years um, with Joe Charlton, who came from South Carolina, then Lachlan Edwards, for the majority of last season. Panthers ranked 29th in punting last year with a 65.4% average punt percentage and a 38.3% net average. The Rams with Johnny Hecker last season ranked fifth with a 72.8% average punt percentage and a 42.6 net average. Hecker and the Rams last season placed 45% of his punts inside the 20, 14% inside the 10, 6% inside the 5. By comparison, the Carolina Panthers placed 26% of the punts inside the 20, 10% inside the 10, and 1% inside of the 5. It's not just Hecker being good, but it's also the special teams unit and the punt coverage team being good. Football Outsiders also uses a method that gives each yard line a point value based on the average next score an NFL offense is worth from that point on the field. The Rams last year, 1.2. The Panthers last year, negative 7.5. Already you're seeing Gonzalo stabilized kicking, now Hecker, With some help from the punt coverage team this upcoming season, he can come out here and also stabilize the punting unit. And I don't think he's here if Chris Tabor doesn't want him here. And Chris Tabor, I've seen from videos of what people have said and heard heard at least from what people have said. that He's a very active coach out there on the field during special teams periods. Love that. Now, one other thing Carolina Panthers have not been great at is kick returns, especially last season. The Panthers had 28 kick returns for an average of 22.1 yards uh, per return. Amir Abdullah had 22 of those 28. His average was 22.0. Andre Roberts, by comparison, last season with the Chargers, 27 kick returns for an average of 27.3. Those five yards make a difference. He's been an All-Pro before, now coming to Carolina. I like where special teams is headed. Love what they've done with the offense line in and, and making that a priority and bringing in James Campen. Tight ends, we'll see how that goes. But with special teams, bringing in Tabor, re-signing Gonzalez, who was great last season, bringing in um, Johnny Hecker, now Roberts as well. I feel really good about that unit in defense, offense, special teams. It's a three-phase game. And too many times we've seen in the past Carolina Panthers lose because they were bad in special teams. Now they have a guy who every year puts out a top 10 unit. Hopefully you can do that here in Carolina coming up in 2022. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network hosted by yours truly, truly Julian Council. Again, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to this show and all your favorite shows across the Locked On Podcast Network. You can also watch us on YouTube, Make sure to subscribe there so you don't miss a single episode as we're still here in off-season mode, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays here on the show. And typically on Fridays, we do our weekly Friday mailbag. Not this week, as we continue to do our position breakdowns. On Friday, we'll have linebackers, defensive line, and the secondary. So pretty much the, well, not pretty much, the entire defense, all three levels of the defense. We'll talk about that on Friday, but still follow me on Twitter at Julie Council at me dm me that's how you can participate for the weekly friday mailbag if you already have questions for next week don't hesitate to get those in anytime you have a question if you just want to hit me up and talk to me go ahead and do that dms are open don't get crazy though but go ahead hit me up there on twitter but in the meantime stay safe be happy keep pounding and i'll talk to y'all on when or friday bad open bad close talk to y'all on friday (laughs)